my Haru Mai to the Farku podcast, which invites people like you and everybody else from all walks of life to converse about various access to equity within the context of our Aotearoa. We invite people like you and our very, very intelligent, amazing, superpower woman today to share lived experiences in an effort to identify common threads um, for support systems. Uh, social networks and knowledge that uplifts the collective human experience. Kelsey, what's our season two question? In season two, we are looking at what does equity and knowledge look like for various communities coexisting within one society? And as Tauiwi and Aotearoa, we recognise the mana whenua and kaitiaki of the lands. Malusil and I have experienced most of our growth in the Waikato and want to honour Ngāti Haua, Ngāti Mahana and Ngāti Wairere. We are grateful for the connections our whakapapa weaves through for us to be able to connect and grow with community through the Whaku Kopapa. Malusil and I would also like to honour our queer ancestors who fought for our rights and visibility as equitable citizens of the world. Kia ora, my name is Kelsey and I use they them pronouns. Nisambulofinaka, I'm at Fakalofalahiatu, Maloelele, Nuaya, called Maluseo Toko Ingua, and people use he, him pronouns for me, which I really love. And uh, without further ado, we actually um, gift um, the, the, the time over to our, our Manawahine um, right now because we don't like introducing our guests. We like to, for them to fashion themselves to us. So please tell us who you are um, and then finish um, with your pronouns as well as the sentence I am. So what would, whatever you say after I am is what you say. It's over to you. Kia ora koutou katoa, assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. My name is Madiha Ali um, and I have been living in New Zealand for three years now. Um, it's just been three years this this last month. Um, apart from that, I, I do a lot, um, but I, I feel like I don't really want to introduce myself by um, the titles that, you know, normally we introduce, introduce ourselves with because I feel like um, all of us human beings are so much more than just those titles. And so my introduction would be that I am um, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm a friend, um, and I'm just uh, another human being who has a lot of aroha for this world. Mm. And I use she, her pronouns, um, and I am love. Oh my god, so good already. <laughs> like, already, already. Amazing. I'm like, we could just end on that, and that's just the yeah, whole thing. <laughs> and that's it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, but. <laughs> Thank you, wow. but. So good. So good, Madiha. Amazing. So, um, obviously, this season we are exploring knowledge, and we're curious when, when the word knowledge comes up, what does that bring up for you? Uh, what how would you describe knowledge and what is knowledge to you? I think I think I would say knowledge for me would mean lived experiences and experiences in general because um, I, I think that knowledge isn't something that you learn in books or you don't become knowledgeable by by you know having a degree or um, reaching a certain level of education. Um, I think knowledge comes from um experiences and and um it can be knowledge of different things i think when i think about knowledge um i think more about it in terms of those experiences because from our experiences we learn a lot and then we pass it on and pass it on and pass it on and i think um so much that's happening in the world so much that happens in the world is through knowledge of the lived experiences that we pass on amazing are there any particular people in your space that have passed their knowledge on to you? And what was that? I think um, my dad. My dad, he he passes on quite a lot of knowledge to me. And I think it's very subtle. Like, it isn't that um, he sits me down and he tells me a lot of things. But it's just in um, random conversations, just sentences that come up. And I'm like that is profound. <laughs> um, I think one thing that he always tells us, all four of us, um, me and my siblings, is that, you know, um, no, you know, you, you, the day you stop learning is the day you die. Um, and the day you think you're perfect is the day you die as well. So um, you're never perfect and you're constantly learning. 
the other thing that he once told me was that um because this was um just a little bit of context this was back in pakistan when um there was um an explosion or attack for the members of our community and then um all the people um of our community gathered together and they started to protest and i was really young back at the time but my dad wasn't back in pakistan and um he called us and he asked if we were going to the protest and i was like um i don't know i'm not no i'm not interested and then he told me this one thing that sits with me till today is that um if you don't if you aren't there for other people in their needs when they need you um then when you need people they won't be there for you either um and i think that that really shifted my perspective and i was like my community right now needs me and if i'm not there for them now then i cannot expect them to be there for me when i need them um so i think that some those those things that my dad tells me every now and then is like oh well that's that's really something and i think that just helps me then um use it in my in my journey and in the way i navigate things and the way i see the world um so i think definitely my dad would be one person that has passed me a lot of knowledge Mm. Honestly, we want to honor your dad because that's yeah. some powerful fokotokis that he's already weaving into your proximity. Um, what's mm. his name? What's his name? Show him off. Come on, shout out to him. <laughs> uh, my dad is Lyaka Deli Changesi. Uh, that's his name, and yeah, he he's also in the sector. He 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 works in um, a nonprofit called Refugee Orientation Center, um, and he is um, working as a manager there. So yeah, that's my dad. Sounds so cool. I want to meet him. <laughs> um, you, I'm curious if you have, if you know, or if if you like, what is the fuckababa of that? Do you think for your dad, the, you know, it, if you're not there for your community when they need you, then how can you expect them mm. to be there for you? Do you mm. know where mm. that's come from for your dad? I I I can't really pinpoint that particular where did that come from but I think one thing that I definitely know for sure is that my dad has been the kind of person that has always been such so passionate about his people and his community and um service even until today he'd be like you know you have come here in New Zealand and you're aspiring to call this place a home you because we are now living in this beautiful place you need to understand the importance of this place and understand the value um and and be of service to the people of this country of this nation um and i think he he's always been big on service and community and um being active so i think um being there for people um so i think definitely that's where it comes from most of the time because i've most of my life i've remembered my dad being a very active member in the community and doing things and i think that has then come somehow come into us as well of like oh you know contribute in and be part and i think he always constantly tells us like you need you need to be of service to this to this nation because um we live here we call this place a home and yeah i definitely see that in you too and the different spaces and places that you occupy and volunteer in and like things that you do in community we can definitely well I for sure can definitely see that in action mm. with you for sure thank you of course yeah all right and so I guess that's a really good segue like what communities do you um do do you actually add value to and what communities um, add value to you so um like you know you, you've, you've spoken beautifully about um, the service that your dad um, um, has, has provided for the community. So we just want to focus on you, like which communities are adding value to you and vice versa. Um, I think, I think one community that's definitely my own community, the community that I belong to, it's the Hazara community here in New Zealand. Um, but apart from that, through my work that I'm doing at Shama, um, I work as a youth worker and work with ethnic young people. Um, I think I've definitely then automatically been attracted to the ethnic community in general. Um, so I I feel like whenever we talk about ethnic, I'm like, oh yeah, that's my community and I, I belong to that community. Um, 
so any any communities that are um all the communities that come under the that umbrella of ethnic uh, i definitely think that um i try to at least add value to that community um yeah i'd say that nice no that's good because we all know that you know like it, it takes a village or a community to raise a child so we're, we're very much in ex like in awe that, that that's something that you already mm. uplifted acknowledged even from the, mm. like the generation above you um mm. yeah and uh, so you've you've already talked about knowledge being acquired from your dad and that intergenerational knowledge and the succession of that knowledge um you know through your family we're curious if there's any other ways that you have gone about acquiring knowledge. I think I'd definitely say it would be my lived experiences um, because I feel like the amount of stuff I've learned from my experiences, I've not learned it from any university, any school, any institution. Um, because I feel like when you experience something, it is so you experience it so closely that it it completely shifts your perspective because it's it's one thing, um, going to a classroom and learning about something or reading a book and learning about something, and it's completely different when you're experiencing that thing in person, mm. and you're seeing the shift happening around you, and you're seeing that, oh wow, this is this is what life is also about, um, because when I think about myself I used to be like a really spoiled ungrateful child when um when I was a child and my childhood was one where um I think I was provided a lot of the things on a platter and you know most of the things that I wanted were provided um it was very comfortable um and also the outside world with whatever was happening with my community um the violence that was there but internally within the house it was really safe uh, I always had my family, um, all the things were provided to us and I did not face as such. Whereas once we became refugees, then boom, all of the things that you once had, all of the things that you once took for granted are no longer there for you. And then you're like, oh, I thought life revolved around me, but I was so wrong because it doesn't. And there is so much more to life than just what I thought my life looked like or was. Um, and so I think I completely took a, like a 360 degree change in my personality because I completely changed once I went through those experiences because it was so up close and, um, you know, all the things that we learn about. Um, you're experiencing it now and you're like, wow. And I think definitely a lot of the knowledge um, comes from there um, in terms of like how I see the world, how I perceive um, a lot of the things now has been very, very much influenced by the experiences that I went through. So definitely that. And those experiences, like in, in what different ways did that come through? Was it like a physical experience? Was it an emotional or mental experience? Like how did, how did that acquisition go from external mm. to internal i think it was it was definitely all it was physical much of it was physical because um while well at one point you have um the safety of a house um you have so much you have everything that you want whereas the next moment you have literally no idea where you're going you literally um are depending on strangers that you've never met in your entire life um and you don't know what's happening to you your future is as uncertain as anything and you're running towards a future that's completely uncertain you don't even know what's going to happen to you after that point and um definitely physical a lot of the things that i lost i haven't been to my country i haven't been to my home i haven't we literally had to pack a bag with only i remember my dad telling us that each of you have the capacity of only packing two clothes and two shoes, two pair of shoes. So that was all we packed. And literally everything else was left behind. So that a lot of it was physical. But then I think um, in terms of how it was emotional or mental, it was that it was fighting that feeling of like what I was and what I am now. Mm. 
Um, so I, I, yeah, I think it was it was definitely a mixture of so many different things. It was all in one, and that is why it was so profound. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I just have no idea what that would even be mm. like. Yeah, and I think kind of going back to what you said at the start, that lived experience is the only way that you can kind of understand. And yeah, I think so many people can have opinions on something that they've never actually experienced for themselves. So, yeah. No, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll echo that. Um, I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of the times because, um, and this is this is not in proximity to your conversation, but a lot of the times when when people are in, are talking about how poor they are or how this they are, or how this they are, and I'm like, I feel like they really don't understand the the deeps of not knowing the future, not knowing mm-hmm. what that looks like, you know, and it's it's. Yeah. It's 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 a bit disheartening as well because it's like you know the people that are that have the basic necessities and have all of these things don't look back and they only look mm. forward of being like I'm still poor I'm still mm. I need to mm. accumulate mm. wealth the here 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 and that's where 100%. for me I don't mm. like that's why like for me I'm like I'm so rich I'm so filthy rich compared to compared to the life that I could have lived on the island you know the life if if my mom didn't take me away from the island I would have never been this rich and this is something that yeah I'm not rich like somebody else I'm very much rich compared to the lineage that I that I that I carry and that's Mm -hmm. something that I'm Mm -hmm. so thankful for and going back to your conversation I'm like how how did you because because you're you're like I, I and I'm assuming you know it, it would have been a lot of different um, healing work that that that's been doing all over the years. But how did you keep your 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 sanity and your heart strong throughout all of those things? Because the thing that I really heard loudly was "I am love." So how did you keep your love through all of that season? Mm-hmm. I think before I answer that question, just would like to add to the previous conversation, the part of the piece of the conversation around. Um, a lot of the times when I meet people who have so much, yet they don't see it. They don't see how much they have. They don't see how rich they are. And rich not just in sen- in the sense of material and wealth, but just rich in general. Mm. Um, I feel like I have understanding for those people because I feel like I used to be one of those people at one point before mm. I was hit with that experience. Um and I think most of the times it just takes people to be open and to learn and meet people with different life lived experiences to understand that because so many times it comes it doesn't come from a place of intentionally wanting to do something whereas most of the times most of the people at least that I've met it comes from a place of not being aware enough and because they've lived in this bubble their entire life where their friend circle, their group circle, every their social circle have been people that have the, have had the similar lived experiences as them. Um, and so when you step out of that and you break that bubble and you go out and meet people who have had very, very different lived experiences, then you kind of come to realize that what you've had. Um, and I think it is it is very human in nature to simply want more. Mm. And I think it's a very vicious cycle to be stuck in because once you get stuck in that wanting more and wanting more and wanting more, it never breaks unless you stop and you're like, because it there's always going to be people who are going to be more privileged than me. Always. Always. But at the same time, there's I am so much more privileged than so many people at the same time. And if I don't, if I don't understand that, then I'm just stuck in the cycle of, complaining and wanting so much more from life than just simply being present and and grateful for whatever that I have because it is honestly human human nature to just want more that greed never goes away so unless we stop and sit down and say this is I've got so much and um, the more we compare ourselves to people who are more privileged or who have more than us we're constantly going to be stuck there whereas if we stop and be grateful and look at people who don't have so much that we have. 
I think that's when you start to realize that we actually are so rich, so rich. Um, so yeah, definitely wanted to add that point in. Um, Beautiful. In terms of the question of like, how did I keep my sanity? I think at times it was so hard to keep the sanity. Um, at times it was easier to let the hope go and be stuck in that cycle um, mm. and much harder to get up and, and fight each day and be like, you know, it's good. It's, it's going to pass. It's going to pass. This time is going to pass. And it was five years. It wasn't a short period of time. It was five years of being stuck in that place of helplessness, of um, being deprived of some of your basic human rights. And that feeling of helplessness, I think one thing that I cannot take away is that feeling of helplessness. And I think that feeling is one of the feelings that I definitely feel like brought so many things to my attention in terms of when you feel no human being wants to feel helpless. No person wants to feel helpless, but when you feel helpless and when you're made to feel helpless, that's when it's like really, really disheartening. And I think um, during those five years, there were so many times when you felt helpless, when something horribly wrong was going with you. Some You were being treated horribly wrong, yet you couldn't speak, you couldn't say. Um, because you are not considered human enough or and and it it was disheartening and i think there were so many times when it, it was it was just so hard to keep that sanity but i think one thing that definitely kept my sanity was um the learning center in indonesia that we kind of established um and because refugees in indonesia cannot work or get education um and so my dad and a couple of his friends, they got together and they they decided to come up with their, establish their own learning center. It started with only 18 students with um, in a two-bedroom house and now it's educating over 300 refugee children. Um, and I, I remember I was 15 and I kind of volunteered myself to be a teacher and I started teaching. And I think for, I think it was four years before we resettled here, I was, I was teaching other kids. Um, and I think that's what kept the sanity alive, having something to look forward to every day and knowing that, you know, there was there was still hope that you, you're still doing something. Um, friends, connection, people who are in the similar boat as myself. Um, our experiences were so similar. All of us were in the same boat. All of us were uh, deprived. All of us were exactly feeling the same way, waiting, uncertainty. Um, but that community of people and... Um, knowing that there's something to look forward to every day was definitely something that kept my sanity at least. And so can you also speak on how that sharpened your love and how that, like those experiences turned you, you almost sharpened your love capacity for yourself and for your, for, for the, what you were seeing around you and just, yeah. So uh, mm. can you, can you speak on that? Yeah, I think definitely when I was, um, I was, when I was a volunteer teacher and I was voluntarily teaching, um, and and I saw the difference that it made to the lives of those children, those kids. It it was so huge because I could see that if not for the learning center, so many of us would have lost our minds. So many of us would have, it would have been so much more harder to be in that situation. Yet that place provided so much support and, and healing to so many people there. Because you came there, you met people who are in the same boat as yourself. Um, and you're forming this bond. People, like all those kids became best friends. They would run around the school and they would be playing and you would you were seeing the difference that you're making. And I think that just, that ignited this fire in me that um, at the end of the day, I really wanna do something that makes a difference in the lives of no matter how small a number. And I think that's the reason that um, I then decided to go for um, law as my degree. Um, because I really want to be in the human rights area and and I don't know what I can do I don't know how much of a difference I can make but definitely um, even the smallest of difference can be big um, and yeah I think just simply observing and realizing that love can heal so much when there's love there's so many things that doesn't seem wrong when it is wrong it's definitely like a common theme that I've like I've had the privilege of experiencing from you is that love connection is always is always there. Um, 
It's yeah. the answer. I think it's the answer. It's the answer to everything. I think I feel like if I was given one one wish, one superpower, it would be to completely diminish hate in the world because I think so much of the problem comes out of that that one strong feeling that we have for another person. And I think the moment we stop seeing the humanity in the other person, that's when things start to go horribly wrong. Mm. Because mm. we can always have difference of opinions. We can always be two different people from two different, completely different worlds. Yet at the same time, see each other's humanity and acknowledge that and respect that. But the moment you you stop seeing that humanity in the other person, that's when it, it goes horribly wrong. And I think it's it's the answer because... Mm. We are still connecting, even though we might have come from like completely two separate worlds. Um, it's because you see the humanity in me and I see the humanity in you. And that's enough for us to connect. Mm. And I think that should be enough for everyone in this world to connect. Potent. 100%. Mm. I'm curious if we take that framework of of um, sending humanity and others as a way of connection. If we were to input knowledge into that, how do you think that people um, could navigate different different people's understandings of knowledge? Because obviously, like I come a dif- from a different um, worldview around knowledge, and in my space. Um, and I think it's common in Western spaces, particularly knowledge is attached to like academic, like in here. Whereas um, mm. I think from what I've experienced in Te Māori, it's more so like holding knowledge of your whakapapa and tikanga and that kind of thing. So how do you think that in a space there can be equity in knowledge and, and how people can navigate that as a collective? I think again, if we, if I, I feel like if if we were to keep seeing humanity and other people at the center of everything, then you kind of come to this understanding that yes, even though we all come from such different walks of life, and I think at this point there's so many different cultures that are residing in Hamilton at least, and um, all of those cultures have their own understanding of what knowledge is and i think if we were to bring and i think what's i feel like what's really important to understand is that there is no right or wrong when it comes to knowledge and there is no one when it comes to culture and knowledge there's not one right or wrong um i can't say that my culture is right or my cultural practices are right and yours are wrong because that's my cultural practice and that's what i think is right but for you, it might seem completely bizarre, absurd, weird. But that that is mine. And it doesn't have to be right or wrong, this or that. And I think that is where the, a lot of the problem is. That um, it's not this or that, um, right, wrong, all the time. It's we can all coexist with our cultural beliefs in place um, as long as there's that that line of respect as long as that as long as seeing the humanity in the other person in the other culture in the other um group as long as that's in the center of everything i don't think anything else matters Mm. because then you stop seeing right and wrong Mm. black and white yes yes and no you kind of see that we all are a human collective and our actions and behaviors are influenced by um our experiences and we all bring in something and there's something beautiful about my culture that can be celebrated. There's something beautiful about your culture that can be celebrated. And while there are things about each culture that's that could be said to be, you know, according to the other group, but we can all pick good things about each culture and celebrate it for what it is. Yeah, I, I love I love the rephrase because to me, like I've been I've been saying something similar, but I've like, and I guess for me, I've been leaning in towards. Um, the ignorance, so using ignorance as a as a as a mana enhancing tool rather than mm. um, a diminishing tool, because it's like we are all ignorant to 
to, to each other and we're all ignorant mm. to even to to, to to every moment that we're in we're mm. all ignorant to it and then some of us don't understand that as much and then they colonize the silence with their opinions and mm. with their their perspectives and what they think is right or wrong and in my head mm. i'm like your perspectives are 100 percent valid what you mm. do with them and if it diminishes somebody else's humanity that's 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 like that that's that i feel like that's where i've really bridged you've really helped me bridge that because i'm like mm. i i've been i've been really yeah because like for me i i like i like the ignorance and i'm i i, I like my own ignorance and i like wayfinding my own ignorance and i mm. like giving other people so now i'm learning how to give other people the chance mm. to learn their own ignorance and and you know fine-tune how they 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 get out and explore their own ignorance and explore other people's ignorance and mm. it's so potent that we actually, in our ignorance, we actually admit that we don't even understand fully our humanity, you know, like our, mm. our humanity as, as, as an individual. And like, for me, I can admit that proudly. I'm like, I don't understand my own humanity and how it works. Mm. And if, if I understand that at a collect, and, and if the collective understand that, it, it would be not like, it's like you said, we wouldn't even have to think about right or wrong because we would all be ignorant or we would all be in that space. And another word for that would be finding the humanity in, in, in every mm. space where I'm like, mm. the humanity is actually giving people the respect that everyone deserves, regardless of your opinion of them. You know what I mean? And I'm like, exactly. I love, I love that. I love that for Cardo because you've really stretched my capacity to think about wayfinding ignorance because there's like, I guess different, different audiences will need to hear actually it's about the humanity and then different audience will, will relate to ignorance and, 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 mm. and uh, as a man enhancing tool, but different audience would actually be like, mm. nah, it's about the humanity. And that to me, I'm so thankful that you're able to share that with us so effortlessly as well. Just going to say so effortlessly, just like, you know, just a, just a, just a Thursday <laughs> afternoon thought, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> just finish my exams. You know, it's about humanity. What ifs? <laughs> so thank, no, thank you. Like I'm so, I'm so in awe of, of, of the way that you can articulate that so effortlessly. Mm. I'm curious if there's any, like, practical tools or skills that you utilize when trying to see the humanity in other people. Yeah. Like, yeah. what does that actually look like in action for you? Oh, I think it's, I feel like it's, it's something that goes on internally a lot of the times in my head is like even... Um, I think it, it takes a conscious effort to, to, in that moment when you are feeling, when you are diminishing someone's humanity, in that moment, it takes a lot of effort and courage to stop yourself and be like, well, let's stop there because at the end of the day, the person that I'm talking to or looking at is a human being with, who has gone through certain and, and their behavior is um, influenced by their lived experiences and because you're not in their shoes. And I think it, it, it genuinely takes one person to actually step out of their shoes and step into their shoes to see their humanity. Um, I think one practical tool that I can only think of is, is, is being open. Um, because I feel like the moment I start talking to someone, for example, who's a stranger and I'm meeting them for the first time, I already have so much build up in my head for the person that I'm talking to. And it it, it must be that I'm talking to this person with a clean slate. There's nothing mm. there. And yeah. I'm just talking to them because they're a human being and I'm talking to them so I can learn about their story and not have my own story of them in their in my oh. head. Delicious. So one more Beautiful. time. Say that. Repeat that. Repeat that one more time. <laughs> so, it, I mean, so that I, I can listen to their story. Once I start to see their humanity, I can actually listen to the person's story with a very open mind without having, without making up their story in my mind. And I think it does take courage, but I think it starts somewhere. It has to start somewhere. And I think the to start somewhere, the easiest way I can say is be open, be curious. Don't put people into boxes the moment you see them. Mm. Because I might be completely different than what you thought. Mm. 
the people that I've got, gotten really, really close to, we all had different perceptions of each other for ourselves until we got to know them, until we got to know their, their story, until we sat down with them and actually, you know, pushed aside all that the world kind of fed into us and told us that if this person looks like this, then this person is like this. Um, and clearing up my head and being like, okay, tell me your story. I see you for who you are and not for what I think you are. <laughs> so I think... I, I feel like, at least for myself, and, and it's not always the case. I, I, I'm a human being who has, um, who is guilty of having um, stereotypes and my own um, assumptions of people in my head. But I think it consciously, it's being aware. The moment that thought comes into my head that I'm judging someone, I kind of flick myself and I'm like, sorry, but you're just judging someone that you don't even know anything about. Are you judging someone based on just one interaction? And is that fair to that person? And, and most so of the times it isn't. Mm -hmm. And and it takes a conscious effort for me to stop myself and be like, but I just did that. And that was a stereotype. Mm. It, it shows like to me it, it it shows a lot that you've actually done a lot of inner work and, and a lot of inner conversations um to to, mm. to arrive at those conclusions for yourself because you've like to me if you can articulate it this well it means that you've already put it into practice and you've already mm. trialed and failed at different trial eras where you've been mm. like oh okay yeah well that's that's my assumption but is that true on your side i think i definitely have done some um inner work um yeah, but I think I st I still I still am doing it, and mm. I think I'm really glad that I got this summer period of no exams and no uni for four months, where I think that's when I'm actually doing taking the time to um, dig deeper and and find my own you know biases and my own assumptions about people, and I think one reason that I feel like I had to do the inner work in some way because I was most of the times I was on the other end of being judged of being of of have of people having stereotypes about me even before meeting me um and i think that that really affected me where i was like these people don't even know me this these people didn't even have a conversation with me yet they think something about me that is completely untrue and i would i i want someone to see me for the person that i am and every time that a person saw me not for what i looked like from the outset how i dressed like or what kind of accent did I have, but rather they saw me for the for this human being that I was and they acknowledged that. It felt good. And then I think it it then I had to go into that space of like, am I doing this to other people? Am I making other people feel like that? How I was made, you know? And you never want I think that's this um very famous quote that you hear is like treat people how you want to be treated mm. and i didn't want to be treated that way so why would i do that to someone else hard 100 yeah. <sighs> percent. so good and i think that like that quote that you just said um is taught to our young people too like i always got told that when i was in primary school even so it's just like mm -hmm. such a basic thing, but for some people, I think it can be really hard to actually put that into practice. Mm -hmm. Like treat people how you want to be treated, and it seems so simple, but I think mm -hmm. yeah, you know, mm -hmm. I I know that I've also had trouble doing that in the past too. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I feel like it has also to do with a lot of the internal dialogue because mm -hmm. I'm coming to find out mm -hmm. that um. Yeah, I, well, I, I, I didn't realize that it was like, because for me, I'm like, my internal dialogue is actually quite happy. A lot of like, and not happy in a, in a superficial way, but I'm like, I don't really have negative self-talk of being like, oh, you look fat or you're sounding too feminine or this. Like, I feel like I've, I've haven't had that in a long, long time. And I'm so privileged for that. And mm. I know that it's a privilege in this, in this day and age. And I'm I'm shocked as well that people have those internal dialogues that don't even check themselves, you know. And I'm like, oh, mm. like because I'm like, for me, I'm like, if you if you can do that naturally, I'm only wondering what's happening up here. 
you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, cause that's, that's only like, that's only the tip of the iceberg. If, if, if that's, if, cause come on, people are like, well, for me, anyways, let me not claim it for people. For me, I don't say like a lot of the stuff that I'm thinking, like, <laughs> cause I'm like, cause I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be connection. Connection is best and I'm trying to connect in a way that is purposeful. And to me, mm. I'm not trying to release all of the, all of the perceptions that I have. And at mm. the same time, I'm like, I, yeah, that's, I'm always coming back to the internal dialogue because every time I see this type of behavior, I'm like, oh, I feel yeah. sorry for what's happening in your insides if you're able to say this out loud freely. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I acknowledge as well that not everyone has had the privilege and the tools and the exposure to what best practice looks like within different like you know, different situations and scenarios. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that Kelsey actually quite um enlightened me to is just, you know, not not everyone has the tools and the kids here to to wayfind this like, you know mm-hmm. their own their own mirrors. Mm-hmm. What were you gonna yeah. say, Kelsey, sorry? Uh so we've talked a lot about like the acquisition of knowledge from, you know, through your experience and everything that's kind of brought you to this point right now. And we're curious, like, what knowledge are you going to hold on to for this next season of your life? Mm. I think it's the thing that I hold on um, right now and um, that I would love to hold on to for the longest of time is that I think it's definitely got to do with um, that seeing the humanity um, and not just in other people, but also in myself. Because I think so many times, and I think this is how we've been, our brains have been wired and we've been programmed this way that you you should be kind to other people. When it comes to us, it's surprising how we talk to ourselves. I I think, and we've never been taught to be kind to ourselves. I've never, I've never heard someone tell me that, you know, be kind to yourself. I've heard it from other people tell me to be kind to other people and which is great, which is amazing. We should be kind to other people. But I feel like it's impossible to be kind to other people unless you're kind to yourself. And it's so important to be kind to ourselves because it's surprising how I read this book on self-compassion where this one line that stood out so much very simple line yet it was like the next time you are beating yourself up just notice you the self-talk just notice what you're telling yourself and ask yourself would i tell this to a friend and if not stop right there and i was like that's true like if a friend came to me with the exact same problem that i'm facing right now i would tell her so many things that it's okay and you're a human being and we all make mistakes and we all mess up but i've done the same thing and the conversation is completely different Mm. so and i think that stood out for me was and it sat sat with me because i was like there's so many times that i talk to myself that i would never never tell anyone else because i think one thing that um one knowledge that i'm gonna hold on to for the longest time is that words are powerful are are so powerful it can break someone it can make someone and it can do so much damage without us even knowing it and because because i have generally been a really sensitive child and i still remember things that was told to me without people even giving it a second thought i have noticed my friends becoming insecure about their particular feature when it was pointed out to them by someone and they thought it was just fine. And that one sentence made that person insecure for the rest of their lives about their particular feature. If I tell someone that your nose is too big, just as a comment, for me, it was just a comment. For that person, it becomes the biggest insecurity. And we remember words and it sits with us. And then we start to build this narrative from that sentence about ourselves. Mm. And I think that just kind of brings me back to this point that words are really powerful and what I tell myself during that self-talk that I'm doing is going to have a really, really huge impact. So for for starters, seeing the humanity in myself, seeing that at the end of the day, 
no matter what I do, no matter the kind of person that I am, I am a human being and human beings are meant to make mistakes and we are meant to fall and rise again and fall and rise again and fall and rise again. Mm. And that is okay. And then the same narrative goes on for other people as well. That no matter how frustrated or angry or hurt I feel from this particular person, they're a human being. Mm. And I feel, for example, sorry for them that they had to go through that that tough time that made them act this way or behave this way. And it wasn't their fault. And my, my job is to see that humanity in them, that at the end of the day, they're a human being who makes mistakes and hopefully who will learn from that particular mistake. So I think that's something that I'm going to hopefully carry on that piece of knowledge. Cool. And you, you provided a new reference point for us to keep on reminding mm. you as well. So you're, that, that takes a village. So we, we're going to keep on coming back to that. Um, I, I was said, so we're coming up to, um, to our, our last question, um, which is what stories have you archived, like inventoried or placed at the back of your high voltage security, um, no access vault? Um, also mm. like, so, so another way of saying this is, um, what's, what's a taboo conversation for you or what's your, what, what are topics that are in your FAQ? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. No biggie. Take your time. Mm. I think I, I wouldn't say taboo, but, um, conversations that I have stored in the back of my mind and I think it's high time those questions or conversations need to be addressed is my own my own past traumas and I think that for quite a while in my life I have been on fight and flight mode of like on the go constantly mm. even I think first year in New Zealand it was you know you have to resettle you have to find this and find that and get used to the roads and learn how to drive and learn the system and um go to uni start uni start job and it was that was constantly running that it just kept on being pushed um and it was never addressed and uh one thing that i'm pretty sure is that if you don't address your traumas um it's either going to come out on wrong people you're going to project it on wrong people um, and if you don't break the cycle, it's only pa- it's only going to pass on. And the last thing I want to do is pass it on. So mm. I think one thing that's definitely, and that I I definitely need to address those conversations and have those conversations with myself, sit down and, and talk to myself about those things, about how they've impacted me and how they've impacted my behavior and my choices and the kind of person that I've become, um, because if I don't address it, then it's only gonna, I think, start eating um, until there'll be probably nothing left. And I and I don't want to give give up on um, I think on my heart, um, which has a lot of love for a lot of people for mm-hmm. um, for this world. So I think that conversation needs definitely needs to be um started with myself at least it needs to start somewhere and it's scary because it's it's scary to go there and um it's confront it's confronting to sit down to yourself and be like this is why i'm this way that's such a powerful share thank you like thank you for trusting us to share that because we we definitely know that that's that's a that's a conversation that is gonna take a lot of investment you know and it's mm. it, it's a powerful it's a it's a powerful fuck you um topic to to address mm. is there anything that you do to create safety for yourself when you're diving into that space i i think um it's diff it's it's probably got to do with um reminding myself that um it's gonna be hard and um kind of reminding myself of my humanity again Mm. um 
that it's it's a journey and um i think a lot of us most of us um we want things to be done quickly we just want answers and we we want results we're obsessed with the outcome all the time and we want outcomes right away i'm going to start my inner work and tomorrow i want to be the best version of myself impossible um <laughs> the day i uh, the so day strange. i think <laughs> the day i think i will be like i have understood myself completely um i don't have i've done all the inner work i don't think that day is ever going to come i don't think that till the day i live on this planet till till the last breath that i take it's it's a journey and um it's always reminding myself that you know let's not be too obsessed because i think one mistake that i made was back when i was in indonesia i was like once i get to new zealand all my problems are going to go away like life will be perfect i came here and it was like big slap on the face you were wrong <laughs> um and i think that's when i was like oh but you know why do we think that once this thing happens then we're going to be happy once this thing happens why do we have to attach ourselves to happiness too much because it's going to come and go and yeah. bad times are going to come and go and it's part of life and it's a journey mm-hmm. and we just have to find how we how we can navigate through that journey and how yeah. how can we be present and live in the moment when it's a good time when it's high when we're having the best time of our lives and we have um so much love to give out and be patient with ourselves when it's the lowest and when things don't seem right and you can't find anything to be grateful for and it's fine and it's going to keep on happening um and i don't think that there's an end to it i cannot be like from point a to point b there's no point a to point b it's it's a constant journey and um we're all on it mm-hmm. all in our own ways and um yeah there's no end point to it and we shouldn't be too obsessed with the end point we should be obsessed with the process just enjoying the process trusting yeah. the process whatever yeah. comes comes whatever goes goes what's meant to what's meant for me will stay and be there what's not won't be there and it's okay yeah bye that, that like um what you said around you don't think that you'll ever be done with the inner work. It reminds me of what you said about your father or what your father mm. says of when you stop learning, you die. Like, mm. I think it's the same. I perceive and what I've heard is that it's a very similar fakado. Yeah. Exactly. <sighs> I think it definitely is. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to the day that I get to meet your dad. Mm. It's going to be good. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Like, this yeah. is my dad. Yeah. Like, I've heard so much about you, so hello. <laughs> how about you? Yeah, hi, how are you? I know you. I know so much. Mm. <laughs> thank you so much for um, being I have, I, I have um, something that I wrote, which I'd like to share because it's so similar to what we were talking about yes, right now. Please. Yes, please. And yes, if yes. it's okay, I can share it. Yes, yes please. Always. Please. Um, so just a little context. I'm really into creative writing and I love it. And I don't do it to for a particular reason. I just do it because it feels good. Um, and I wrote this because it just randomly came into my head. And it's called Why Not? Oh. And it goes like this. <clears throat> How strange it is that the more we escape pain, the faster it runs behind us. I've come a long way on this journey of pain to be where I am today. I've given up so much, so much of me, so many pieces of my soul. I've given up my concrete home, my safe haven, the roof above my head, along with the homes I built in other people's hearts. I lost the warmth of my loved ones. The kind of laughter I only had were these childhood besties the familiar senses, the familiar smell of the air, the food, the streets, the familiar sight of the people who radiated belonging, the familiar sound of the rich language. It was a long journey, a long journey of excruciating pain and agony. 
And in that journey, there were so many times when I thought, it's the end of me. Only that it wasn't. So many times when giving up seemed easier than holding on to hope. Than showing up as my authentic, vulnerable self. Than fighting the battle of life. But no matter how hard that seemed, it was still possible. That's when I learned about the fascinating resilience of us humans. We make the impossible possible. We fight till the very last lungful of air. And here I am. Despite that agonizing journey of pain, loss and struggles, here I am, standing tall in my truth, showing up every day as my true, wonderful self, who lost and hurt, but who also fought and won. Here I am, ready to live and explore and hurt and heal and grow and laugh and hope and dream and hurt a little more and learn from it and fall again, fall hard and rise again and keep falling and keep rising because isn't it what life is all about? Hurting and learning, falling and rising because pain is inevitable and running from it will not make it disappear. It will always appear in some way, shape or form. Why not surrender and watch the magic unfold as you live every moment as it comes? Why not take pain as an opportunity to learn and grow? Why not? Kilda. Thank you so much for that gift. Mm. That sits so home. I, I totally resonate with that. Thank you so much. I really, yeah, it was the gift that I didn't know I needed today. And I'm so happy that you're willing to gift um, something. Because I know that creative writing is a, is, a, is a vulnerable process. And, you know, sometimes it, it reveals a little bit of you um, in a way that, that you know you can gift back to people and to me i'm really mm. i really i'm really thankful for your gift to us and your gift to this moment and mm. your ability to just mm. be creative and, and and wayfinding and i feel like that's something that 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 kelsey and myself have been really being called to and and and, and being invited to, to to figure out our creative devices and kelsey has been um figuring out different ways that um you know, sound can can be recorded and it, and yeah, fine tuning something else. And same with me, I'm doing different ways to articulate how I feel and think and process. So mm. I'm really thankful for that. Thank you mm. so much, Madiha. That I was... just thought that that particular piece that came to my head while I was talking, and I was like, it sits so well with this conversation right now. Yeah, for um, sure. And I I thought I would share. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Feel so blessed to like be gifted that too, yeah. And I'm sure it's gonna resonate with a lot of people that are listening as well, for sure. So good, so good. Thank you so much, Mediha, for coming through and sharing your story and being vulnerable with us. Mm. Um, we see you, and thank you. Like, thank you isn't enough, but they're the only words that I've got. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you um, for having we, me. Yeah. We also thank um, the people in your village that 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 help you become such a powerhouse. So yeah, we, for sure. Especially your your family who are already in the room. Show us the photo again, please. Come on, show them off. Show them off. <laughs> yes. Cute. Oh, so cute. And then, if people want to connect with you, how 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 how's how are they best? So, if they resonate with your story and they want to connect with you, how are they best to connect with you, Madiha? Um. I can, uh, you know, they can connect me, connect with me through Instagram because I think that's where I'm most active. Um, they can also connect with me through Facebook if that's what things like. Mm. And I love your stories and your shares, so keep that doing that as well. So don't stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
Bye. It was lovely. It was a lovely conversation and time flew by. So thank you guys for um, creating this space where I was able to come and um, authentically share because that didn't come out of like, oh, I'm going to share this particular piece. Uh, it just came so naturally because I thought it um, resonated. And yeah, so thank you for creating that space. You guys are amazing. Spot it, you got it. Spot it, you got it. Okay. <laughs> no, all right. So we're going to end with our jingle. So please do join in. The fuck you. Fuck you. The fuck you. Hey, hey, fuck you. The fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. See you later, Fano. Fuck it, bitch.